We're turning your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians. You can turn to chapter 1. We're beginning this morning a study of Paul's second letter to the church at Thessalonica. If you remember last week, we had a little card and we did 1 Thessalonians and we did the whole book. We basically looked at uh, the end of every chapter and some of the things that Paul wrote to, the, wrote to them saying, here's what you do as you wait for Jesus Christ. Well, in the second letter, he's going to deal with some of the same type of issues. But uh, one of the things he deals with in this past, in this uh, book is going to be some issues dealing with persecution and those kind of things. We'll see it. You remember when we studied the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, we saw one of the great truths from the Bible was the next event that's going to happen is Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds. He's going to come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's going to come to this earth. He, oh, and he's actually going to come in the clouds. He's going to take us off the face of the earth. We call this the rapture. That can happen at any moment. And so many people have questions concerning future events. Well, as we look at 2 Thessalonians, we're going to see some of these truths in this little letter. We're going to see the rapture. We're going to see the day of the Lord. We're going to see the tribulation. We're going to see the Antichrist. We're going to see how we are to live in a fallen world uh, as, as those who belong to Jesus Christ. You realize that our world has becoming increasingly hostile to Christianity. All you have to do is just... Read the newspaper, go to the TV, just see what's, what's out there. Uh, how, we le- how we believe is being attacked over and over. Jesus said that. Jesus, uh, he said that, uh, that that's going to happen. Well, as we look at Second Thessalonians, we're going to see truths to help us as we seek to live for Christ in a fallen world and how we touch lives, how we can touch lives for Jesus Christ. So in the next few... Three, four weeks or five weeks, we'll be going through this letter. There's so many great things in there that we can apply. Well, let me just start off by this. And this is something that you know, but Jesus. Jesus is the name above all names. You know, you heard the word Hosanna. Hosanna. A lot of people think that means praise, but Hosanna means save us. When, you, when it said Hosanna in the highest, it's saying Jesus, save us in the highest because he is the Savior. He is the name above all names. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. That's John 14, 6. Acts 4, 12 says, There's no other name given under heaven among men where we might be saved. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He is the one who died and rose again for us. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we need a Savior. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who left the glories of heaven, came to the earth to die on the cross to pay for sin and rise again to conquer death. And all who believe in him will never perish but have everlasting life. As John 3.16, God so loved the world, that's us, that he gave his only begotten Son, that's Jesus, that gave him to die and rise again, that whosoever, anyone who would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. That is a great truth. So by faith alone and Christ alone, we are saved. That's called the grace message of salvation. Salvation is a gift, and by faith we have eternal life. Now, as believers, if we choose to stand for Christ, if we choose to live for Jesus Christ in this community and in this world, there'll be opposition. There'll be persecution. There'll be people against us. Jesus said this. He said, if they hated him, they would hate us. We live in a fallen world controlled by the devil, and the truths and the principles of God's word are contrary to the world, to what we stand for. So this world is contrary to the truths of the Bible. So this morning, as we begin 2 Thessalonians, Paul is going to write to them, and one of the issues is the fact that they're being persecuted because they believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, as the Messiah. 
And some, some of us, possibly not, maybe not in America as much. I mean, people make fun of us. They say bad things. They, 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 they say some pretty bad things about Christians. Other parts of the world, if you stand for Jesus Christ, they might kill you. We uh, support some missionaries in India. I've told you this before. In southern India, where they live, they have a lot of freedom to go, and they go to the Hindus, and they go out, and they share their faith. In northern part of India, if they did the same thing, they would be killed. So in different parts of the world, there are different things. The Thessalonians, when Paul went there, led, that, led these people to Christ and started that church, that uh, these people immediately were being persecuted for what they believed. Paul writes to encourage them to stand strong, and the same thing for us. So this morning, we're going to start Second Thessalonians, and we're going to see some great truths. Let me give you the keys to the book, and this is some things that will help us. It will encourage us to stand for Jesus Christ in our community. And it may not be the same kind of persecution, but I guarantee you, if you take a stand and you tell people that you believe Jesus is the only way of salvation and there is no other way, and it's faith alone in Christ alone and the Bible is God's word and it's perfect, there are going to be people against you. There are going to be people who think you're wrong and there are going to be people who actually make fun of you. The second thing is we're going to look at is understand the end times, the rapture, the day of the Lord. Now, we got through the book of Daniel and we went through all of those things. So we're going to, go, we're going to touch on it again. We won't go quite the same details, but we'll see about the rapture, the the day of the Lord, the tribulation, the Antichrist, those kind of things. And then the third thing we'll see as we go through the book is the, we'll encourage believers to live godly and to deal with problem people. Believe it or not, there are sometimes in churches problem people. I know that seems strange, but that's true. And so he talks, it's in this that letter to the Second Thessalonians, and we'll see the same thing. What we're going to do this morning is three things. We're going to get a little background on Second Thessalonians. We're going to get an overview of the book, Second Thessalonians, and then we're going to actually get into the introduction. And all we're going to look at is one verse as we start the book, and so there's some great things. Let's start with the background. When you think about the Bible, you think about it, okay, it's one book, but it's got 66 books, and there's 30, uh, 39 books in the Old Testament, there's 27 books in the New Testament. When you think about the New Testament, they're history books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts, that's the history books, and then there's a whole bunch of letters, like Romans, and First and Second Corinthians, and Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, all of those letters, and then there's a, a kind of a, what we call a prophecy-type book, which is the book of Revelation at the end. When we think about letters, Paul wrote some of the letters, James wrote some of the letters, Peter, John... When we look at 2 Thessalonians, we realize 2 Thessalonians is a letter written by Paul to believers at Thessalonica. They were the church at Thessalonica, written to particular people at a particular time. Now, let me tell you, I trusted Christ when I was 19. I'd never gone to church but two times in my life. I trusted Christ at 19, and then I started growing, and I ended up coaching at Mississippi State when I was 23. When I was about 24, 25, I started to grow as a Christian, and I started actually reading the Bible and saying, okay, look, there's Ephesians and Romans and First and Second Thessalonians. So one time, the pastor that led me to Christ happened to be in Starkville, Mississippi, where Mississippi State was, where I was coaching. And so I asked Coach Tyler, who was the head football coach at Mississippi State, I said, hey, can we take my pastor, his name was Knapp, I said, can we take Knapp on one of the trips? And he said, well, sure. So we went to Auburn to play football against Auburn, and I took Knapp, and he roomed with me on the trip. And so you know me, I'm going to ask Knapp every question I could think of. And, I, of course, I didn't know anything. And so I said, hey, Knapp, here's my question. Why is this, like, why is this called... Ephesians and Romans and Corinthians and this Thessal something Thessalonians and why are these books? Why do they come up with these names? I didn't know. And he said, "Let me show you something." And he went to the back of the Bible and he had a map. He said, "See, this is a map of the world at the time." And I looked down. And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "See that place called Rome?" I went, "Yeah." He said, 
that's Romans. I went, oh. And he said, see this place called Corinth? I went, yeah. First and second Corinthians. I went, whoa. He said, see this place called Ephesus? That's Ephesians. See this place called Thessalonica? That's Thessalonians. And he told me that those letters were written to those places. I never knew that. I never knew that. I went, well, what do you know about that? And so it was amazing because I began to say, so when I read Romans, it's written to the church at Rome for a reason. And when we read 2 Thessalonians, it's written to these believers in the city of Thessalonica who were Christians, the church, and it was written for a reason. And so that really helped a lot. So when we look at 2 Thessalonians, we're going to see that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. Now, you've got the little card. I hope you've got it. Just keep it. You can put it in your Bible. We've got cards for almost all of the books. This is 2 Thessalonians. On one side, it gives uh, basically the outline of the book. On the other side, it tells you the author, the date, the key verses, all those kind of things. So just keep that as you study it. But I want you to think about it. The author, of course, is Paul the Apostle. He's the guy that, that uh, I just love him. I mean, he, he trusted Christ, and he, uh, he was... He was opposed to Jesus, and then when he trusted Christ on the road to Damascus, then he was for Christ, and then he was amazing. He wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. He went on three missionary journeys. He went to Rome and proclaimed the message. Uh, he just just an amazing person. The, the date that he wrote this letter was about 50 to 52. This is on his second missionary journey. I'll show you that in just a minute. And the people he wrote to were the church at Thessalonica. Now, let me show you something just on a map. This is, a moder- this is Turkey, and then this is Greece. And this is southern Greece, northern Greece. Today, there, it's called Thessalonica. It's there. And Paul had traveled in Turkey, stopped at a little place right here, came across, went to Philippi, and then went to Thessalonica. That's, that's where they went. Let me give you another quarter of another map, which is a little bit better to look at. They ended up stopping at Troas. Paul had a dream, a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over. Now, Macedonia is named after Philip of Macedonia, which is Alexander the Great's daddy. We told you Alexander the Great when we studied the book of Daniel. And so here they were at Troas. They left and they went across. They ended up going to one place and then to Philippi. They got run out of town in Philippi and they went to Thessalonica. They got run out of town at Thessalonica. They went to Berea. After being in Berea a while, they went down to Corinth. So that's where they were. And I've got this, this map right here and you can't see it very well at all, but this is the second mission journey. They left, went there, went there and ended up in Corinth and then went back to Jerusalem. So that's the picture. That's where they are. They've gone to this little town uh, called Thessalonica. So if you would, go ahead, do this. Turn in your Bibles. Just hold your place in, in 2 Thessalonians and turn to the book of Acts chapter 17. We're going to go very quickly this morning because we want to be able to do our baptism and everything. So I want you to see something in Acts chapter 17. Now, while you're turning to Acts chapter 17, Paul was in Troas. They left Troas. They went to a little place. Then they went from, uh, from Troas to Philippi. While they were in Philippi, they got thrown into jail. You remember? They were proclaiming the Christ, and they beat him up and threw him into jail. And at midnight, they were praying, and the walls shook, and the jail came open, and the Philippian jailer came in there, and he was going to kill himself. And Paul said, don't kill yourself, we're in here. And the Philippian jailer said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. Well, that was in Philippi. And they ran them out of town. And when they ran them out of town, they went to Thessalonica. Notice chapter.
chapter 17, verse 1 of Acts. When they had traveled through Annapolis and Annapolia, they came to Thessalonica. There was a synagogue of the Jews. Now, Paul did this every time. He is called the apostle to the Gentiles, but whenever he would go into a town, since he was Jewish, he would find a synagogue, go to the synagogue, and proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. Sometimes people would believe, sometimes they wouldn't. If people would believe, he'd start meeting with them, and then Gentiles would come, and they would believe, and so he would start a church. That's what he was doing. So he comes to this town, and he goes into the synagogue of the Jews. That's how he puts it. Now, look at verse 2. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scripture. Now, I want you to notice what Paul was doing. He's teaching the Bible. Now, this may seem strange, but in the synagogues in that day and time, they would meet and up front, they had a copy of the Scripture. And then there would be the archisynagosis, which was called the ruler of the synagogue. And he was the man who decided what would happen that day. There was a certain reading that they would read every Sabbath. People would come into the synagogue. Men, men and women did not sit together. Women were actually behind the place. The men were there. If there was a guest, like a visitor, sometimes they would say to the visitor, would you ha- do you have anything to say? That happened in Philippi. That happened in some other places. And so what best we can tell is when Paul came into that synagogue, somebody said to him, do you have something to say? And he said, I'm glad you asked. And he got up and he talked. And what it says is, at least for three Sabbaths in a row, he went into the synagogue and taught the Bible. Now, we're going to see what he taught. Because here's the question. What, what was his message? What did he tell them? Verse 2 says, And according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. You know what it says? Reasoned. It means he said, look at this. I want you to understand this. This is like we'll say, look at Acts 17. Let's look at this together. That's what Paul did. He said, listen to what the Scripture says. And he reasoned with them from the Scripture. It goes on to say, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. So he explained to them showing them from the Bible, notice his message, listen what it was. He told them that the Christ had to suffer, that's his death, and that he would rise from the dead, that's his resurrection. The gospel message that we proclaim to this world is that exact same message. We tell people that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross to pay for sin, that's his death, and rose again to conquer death, That's his resurrection. The gospel is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we want people to believe in him. And so what does Paul say? He explained and gave evidence that the Christ had to suffer, that the Messiah was to die and rise again. And then he said, and this Jesus, whom I'm proclaiming to you, is the Christ. He's telling them that Jesus is the one that died and rose again, and if they would believe in him, they would have eternal life. This is the message. This is the same message we say. We want people to trust in Jesus. We tell them he is the one who died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again and trust in him to have eternal life. You know, that's, that's the offer. The offer is to believe in Jesus Christ who will give you eternal life. That's life forever with Jesus. 
Salvation is living forever with Jesus Christ. That's why it's called eternal life. It comes as a gift. By grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works lest anyone should boast. And so Paul's message to these people is the Messiah was to die and rise again and Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that died and rose again and to trust in him. That's the bottom line. And so when you talk to people about salvation, you tell them Jesus is the, is the Messiah. He died, he paid for sins, he rose again, and when you believe in him, you're saved, and you're saved forever. Well, look what happened. Some believed, some were persuaded, chapter 17, verse 4, and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with a large number of God-fearing Greeks and a number of leading women. Listen, some of the Jews believe, some of the Greeks believe, some of the women believe. I mean, all of a sudden, there's a large group of people believing that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Well, what happened? Well, look, verse 5, it says, but the Jews got jealous. Taking some wicked men from the marketplace, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, attacking the house of Jason. He's one of the guys that believed, and they were seeking to bring them out. They were going to bring them out and probably kill them. And so what happened is a mob basically ran them out of town. And if you look at chapter 17, verse 10, it said the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night. Get out of town before they kill you. And then later on, if you go to chapter 18, verse 1, they left and they went to Corinth. So I want you to think about it. And if you want to go ahead and turn back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. So Paul and Silas and Timothy, they had gone into the city. They led people to Christ. There was an uproar. They ran them out of town. They went to a place called Berea. And then eventually they're in Corinth. While they're in Corinth, they got word. They got word. They were hearing that there was great persecution just like they tried to kill Paul and Silas and Timothy when they were in the city, the Christians that were left behind, people started saying, you guys, we're going to get you. We're going to get you because we don't believe this stuff. And the Jews especially were against them and some of the others because you've got to remember at this time, Romans had many, many gods. But when, see, there's a difference between saying Jesus is one of many gods. He's not. We don't say Jesus is one of many gods. We say Jesus is the only God and Savior. If the, if the Christians would have said to the Romans, a lot of gods, Jesus is one of the gods, they'd say, you're fine. They didn't say that. They said Jesus is the only God. And so the Romans were against them, the, the Greek, and the Jews were against them, and so they were in great persecution. Let me tell you something. You can go in almost anywhere and if you say, I believe in God, about 90% of the people in the United States will say, we do too. If you say, yes, I believe in God, but I believe there's only one Savior, it is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way to God except through him, and that is by faith alone and Christ alone. They'll take their arm off of you because that is very narrow. That's what the Bible says. But we live in a pluralistic thing that says, look, everybody's got their own way of believing. Don't rock the boat. You know, you can believe in Jesus. We, everybody's going to the same place. No, we're not. And so if you decide that you're going to say to people, look, there's only one Savior, and that's Jesus. He's the way, the truth, the life. No other way to get to the Father except through him. And it's simply faith alone in Christ alone you're going to be in opposition to a lot of people, even people who are Christians. 
Because there's a lot of people who are Christians. And I mean, let me say it this way. There's a lot of people who have trusted in Christ, but they don't understand. And they're not very clear. And they might even say, well, I believe about Jesus and he's for me. But you may have something else for you. So when you stand for Christ, expect it. And so he, they heard of the persecution. And so he's going to write First Thessalonians because he, he wanted to encourage them. He wanted to tell them about the rapture. And he wanted them to live holy lives. Now, a little bit of time passed. We don't know how long. But he got word again that the persecution had even gotten worse and there was some real issues. So he writes Second Thessalonians because he's heard about the persecution. He's heard there's some false teaching. And he's writing because there's believers even in the church are causing problems. So that's why he writes Second Thessalonians. So this is where we are. Let me tell you something. Um, uh, let me do the gifts. Let me give you an overview. And, and, and they're going, we're going to look at three things. He's going to write. To, he's going to encourage them while they're in persecution. That's the same for us. He's going to teach them about the day of the Lord and the end times. Let me tell you what happened. What's the next event that's going to happen? That, that's going to happen? Jesus is going to do what? What's it called? Rapture. And we're going to be taken off. Right, right? Are we happy about that? Yeah, we are. Okay. And what's going to happen after that? There's going to be a time on the earth which we call the what? The tribulation. It'll last for seven years. We go back to the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And so we're knowing that one of these days Jesus is going to come get us and take us out. Guess what? Paul taught the Thessalonians that while he was there. After he left, somebody came in and said, we have a letter from Paul that says the rapture happened and you missed it. And you're in the tribulation that you're experiencing right now is the tribulation that Paul talked about. So you guys missed the rapture and you're in the tribulation. That's what they taught them. And word came back to Paul that they were being told that the rapture had happened and they missed it. And they were in the tribulation. Now that's not true. So that's why Paul writes to correct, to teach them about the day of the Lord and the end times. We'll talk about that. And then the third thing, he's going to instruct them how to deal with problem people. So let's talk about the encouragement and persecution. We're going to go really quickly through this. He wanted them to stand strong. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. Look what he says to them. Therefore, we ourselves pre speak proudly of you among the churches of God. He, he says, we're very proud of the Thessalonians for your perseverance and faith, why? In the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. He said, I'm very proud of you because you're standing strong. And he wanted them to keep standing strong. And I'm telling you, and I mentioned it a while ago, if you decide that you're going to say to people, listen, I believe the Bible is God's perfect word. I believe there's only one way to be saved, and that's Jesus. And I believe it's by faith. You're going to be attacked. You're going to be attacked in this community. Listen, I used to go to the what was used to be called the AUM. It's called the Interfaith Council now on, on campus. And it's all the different organizations, all the different so-called Christian organizations. It's got a few other things in there. And I can still remember one lady standing up and saying, please don't use the name Jesus around me. It offends me. That's what, this, this is from uh, a church. I mean, I mean, this is what you see. And so when you say, no, no, I'm, I'm going to say Jesus all I want to, Right? I was told one time, I was, they asked me to pray on campus, and some, not, not the people that asked me to pray, but someone from the religious organization on campus told me, don't use the name Jesus when you pray. And I said, I'm going to use the name Jesus because that's, I always pray to the Father in the name of the Son. 
And I did. And the people that I spoke to and did the prayer, they loved it. But the religious organization did not love it because it offended them. When you stand for Jesus Christ, when you say he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way to the Father, you're going to have some persecution. And so we must stand together for the grace of God and the salvation message, faith alone in Christ alone. The second thing is he wanted to teach them, and that's that blessed. The second thing he wanted to teach them about the day of the Lord and the end times, as I said a while ago, Paul had taught them that the rapture was coming, they'd be gone, and then the tribulation. They were told that the tribulation, that the rapture had already happened, that these believers had been left behind, and they were in the tribulation. If you look at... Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, look at verses 1 and 2. He says, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. That's the rapture. That you don't be quickly shaken. Don't be messed up. Don't be bothered from your composure or disturbed by a spirit or a message or a letter as if it's from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. He said, look, don't be bothered. We didn't write you any letter that told you that. Somebody told them that they had. And that was wrong. And so he wants them to stand for the day of the Lord has not come. We're going to explain when we get to chapter 2 what the day of the Lord is. It's a little different. The rapture is an event. Day of the Lord follows immediately after the rapture, and it takes them into the tribulation time period in the Antichrist, and we'll see that a little bit later. The third thing is how to, in, how to deal with problem people in the church. And here's what we find. I want you to look at chapter 3, verse 10. He gave this. He said, For even when we were with you, we gave you this order. If anyone's not willing to work, he is not to eat. For we hear there are some among you who are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such people we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and eat their own bread. He basically says, you got to tell these people, get back to work. They weren't working and they were busybodies. And he told them, you better get to work or you're not going to eat. Don't be standing around saying, I want the rest of the Christians to feed me. Because that's what was happening. And he said, that's not how it works. And so, the big three, watch. Encourage them while they're in persecution. Teach them concerning the day of the Lord. And instruct them on how to deal with problems. Now watch this. Chapter 1, encourage them in persecution. Chapter 2, teaching them about the end times. Chapter 3, dealing with problem people. So it fits together perfectly. This is what Paul wrote. I want to give you the introduction. We're just going to see one verse, and then we'll have the baptism, which will be a lot of fun. So I want you to notice chapter 1. Look what he says. Paul and Sylvanius and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer and the recipients. You know, if I wrote a letter today, I would go, Dear Joe, that thanks for this, signed JB. In that day and time, they didn't do it that way. They would say, JB to Joe, and then we talk. That's what they did. So Paul writes to the Thessalonians. That's what he does. And if you notice, it says Paul and Sylvanius. Sylvanius and Silas are the same thing. I just put that up there side by side. It's the same name. So it's Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Sometimes Silas' name is Sylvanius. That's just, and he's writing to the third church at Thessalonica. We've seen this. Now, he is the apostle to the Gentiles, and most of the people who trusted Christ at Thessalonica and at Philippi, and at Berea, and in Corinth, and in Athens, most of them were Gentiles. He'd always go to the Jew first, and then to the Greek. That's how Paul said it. He writes to them, and, and he, he, it, this is it's powerful. He says, to the church 
of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Thessalonians, he's writing to the believers in that town. The church, as you know, is the called out ones. The church actually means that those who, when you trust in Christ, you're called out from a fallen world into a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, the way he writes it in this passage is, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in union with Christ. By the way, you can call God your Father. The moment you trusted in Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. John 1.12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe on his name. You understand that God is your Father because you have trusted Christ. Now, let me tell you something. I saw somebody this week say that everybody had a spark of divinity in them. No, we don't. And that everyone was a child of God. No, we're not. Everyone is created by God. God is the creator of all people and all things. He created each person in their mother's womb. You're not a child of God until you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. And when you trust in Christ, you become a child of God. So not everybody's a child of God. Everybody's created by God. But a child of God comes by faith. That's why you can say, God is my Father, my Heavenly Father. And that's why you can call him Abba which is daddy. Notice, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the title. The Lord is the word for deity. It's kurios, and it means deity. The name Jesus means Savior. The name Christ or Christos means the anointed one of God. Jesus is God who is the Savior, who is the one set out, anointed by God the Father. So think about it. Jesus is God who is set apart by the Father as the Savior. So we have a Savior. It is Jesus. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica to encourage them. So we've seen the background. We've seen some believed and some didn't. And then he writes back to those who are in great persecution. So let me give you some applications. And first of all, let's gain an understanding of Paul's second letter to the church at Thessalonica. Let's encourage the believer. It's to encourage us in persecution. That's what it's for. Then we need to understand the end times, understand how it fits together, and then the last but not least is to deal with the problem people. Second is let's stand strong as we stand for Christ in our culture. We're going to be attacked. And let me just tell you this, the three things that you need to stand for, there's so much more, but the three is this. The Bible is the inerrant, perfect word of God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died and rose again and gives eternal life to all who believe He is the Savior of the world and that salvation is a gift by faith alone in Christ alone. That's what you stand for. And when you do that, stand strong in a fallen culture. Let's understand the end time events. And if you remember the chart, we've put it up all the time. This is Jesus' death and resurrection, church age. There's the rapture. Following the rapture is, begins the day of the Lord and the tribulation time period. And then there's the second coming of Christ. They told them this happened and they didn't get to go and they're now in this. That's wrong. And one of these days, Jesus is going to come in the clouds and he's going to take us out. And if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you'll be gone. We will not go through the tribulation. Last but not least, let's, let us live godly lives as we seek to stand for Christ in a fallen world.